welcome to the Frisco Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Ellis, and in this episode, we are joined by Dr. Sean Hill. Dr. Hill, welcome to the show. Sir, thanks so much, as always. Glad to have you here, and we're going to talk about all kinds of fun doctory things today. It's You are a plastic surgeon, or yes. do you prefer cosmetic surgeon, or does it really matter? Oh, it does matter, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll jump into that topic since you led me into that one. So uh, I am a plastic surgeon. I also do cosmetic surgery, but I'm not a cosmetic surgeon. And the question you may ask then is, well, what is the difference between plastic surgeon and cosmetic surgeon, and why would I have maybe taken offense to that? Well, so uh, plastic surgeons um, are trained in a full plastic surgery residency, and then uh, will then they will be boarded by the uh, governing body, the American Board of uh, Medical specialties, which is a body that does board certification. Okay. And so that as part of that, you have to do a board exam and then do continuing medical education throughout your entire lifetime. A cosmetic surgeon is anyone that's completed some medical residency, whether that is emergency medicine, family medicine, OB-GYN, internal medicine, or anything. And then they do a short, maybe six month or one year fellowship in cosmetic surgery. surgery and lo and behold, they're a cosmetic surgeon out there hanging a shingle and doing scary things like breast dogs and whatnot. Okay. That is, first of all, let me dive back in here for a minute. That's great information because I never knew there was actually a difference. I always just assumed those two things were synonymous. So that's really good to know if somebody is looking for uh, someone to do a procedure or maybe has needs a procedure of some kind. Um, it sounds to me, and I don't want to offend anyone else, but it sounds to me like what I'm looking for is a plastic surgeon, ideally. Yeah, I mean, as as we always tell people, do your homework. I mean, obviously, you know, it, cosmetic medicine and aesthetic medicine is a very lucrative thing. So, it, you know, when, when there is revenue in something, everyone wants to be doing it. So, thus, if you're going in, even if you're going in for something simple, as simple, seemingly simple as Botox or fillers, you should do your homework because, you know, I mean, I, I don't just let anyone with a pair of scissors cut my hair. Um, I want someone that's actually been and trained to cut hair to cut my hair, and that's just my hair, which will grow back. And well, I mean, for me, a long time, but for the most, for average people, three weeks. Yeah. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, thank you for clarifying that for us. Now that we understand, so you are a plastic surgeon. And your practice is called Lone Star Plastic Surgery? Yes, sir. Uh, plastic surgeon. The, pla- the practice is here in Frisco called Lone Star Plastic Surgery. I have done way too much training to be injecting poison in people's faces. Um, I, uh, I'm i from Illinois originally. Did pla- um, general sur- I'm sorry, I did med school in the full general surgery residency there. And then I moved down to DFW to train at Parkland and UT Southwestern uh, in plastic surgery, which is renowned as the top training program in the entire world, actually. Um, and then did an extra year fellowship down in uh, Austin, Texas, doing craniofacial plastic surgery as well. So nine years of postgraduate training and three fellowships, and boy, I'm exhausted. Wow. Yeah, you've been in school for a long time or training of some sort uh, for a long time. Uh, yeah, I know. Some, some, Yeah, longer than some people have been alive that are probably listening to this. <laughs> so um, when, when did you start your practice here? Here in Frisco, uh, we've been open for about a year and a half now, okay. um, and uh, it's it's been an adventure. You know, we've seen growth every month, as you can imagine. But it's been it's kind of been fun getting to know everybody in town, and then building up the the Lone Star family. Yeah, very good. Are there particular things that you specialize in? Um, besides being awesome, um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I've done like I said, I've done all of that training, so. 
ultimately where I want the practice to grow is to, you know, be doing facial aesthetics, so facelift, eyelids, uh, rhinoplasty especially. Um, but being in, in Frisco, kind of the, the largest segment of the population here is probably the 35 the 30 to 50 year old young mm-hmm. family and so up until now pretty much the, the largest portion of our practice besides non-surgical have been uh breast augmentation breast lift and the you know the proverbial mommy makeover right do you do some of the the i guess somewhat lighter things like Botox and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. At this point, I'm the only person in the practice that does any sort of the procedures. So I do my own Botox. I do my own, not well, not on myself. Actually, <laughs> on myself, I do as well. But on the patient, I'm the only one that does Botox and the fillers. And then we have a couple of, um, we do, you know, medical grade chemical peels. So deeper chemical peels for like resurfacing. And then we also have a, a uh, kind of minimally invasive skin tightening device in the office for kind of what we call the gap patient, which is the patient that is either not quite ready for surgery or is not, I don't want to say old enough for surgery, but they're a person that doesn't necessarily need the changes of surgery, but they need something a little bit more invasive than, uh, you know, skin lotions and whatnot. So that's, right. where, that's where those products come in, are those devices. Okay. So are you the only physician in your practice right now? Yes. As of right now, it's just me and then a, a team of a, a very few folks. Okay. Who else do you have on the team? Can you tell us about them? Uh, yeah. My, my patient care coordinator, Carrie, she's been with me since since day one. She's kind of the, the concierge. So if you, you come into the practice, she's your gateway to kind of everything there. And then our uh, medical assistant, Brooke, is um, the newbie to the team, but she's kind of my right-hand gal when it comes to to procedures and whatnot throughout the office. And she's also kind of, if you ever watch any of our videos on, on our YouTube channel or on online, Brooke's always the camera person egging me on. So I will say or do pretty much anything and Brooke will kind of push push me to do even more silly things. So there you go. <laughs> Fun. So yeah, we'll, we'll make sure to link that up. But while we're on that subject, if people want to find you on YouTube or Facebook, where do they go? Uh, Facebook at Lone Star Plastic Surgery. Oh, actually, I guess it's just face, uh, Facebook is Lone Star Plastic Surgery. Instagram is at Lone Star Plastic Surgery and the YouTube channel is the same as well. Okay, that's easy enough. Again, we'll make sure we link all that stuff up in the show notes so people can find you. Um, so you've been in business for a year and a half. First of all, congratulations on making over to that one-year hump. The lights are still on and they haven't kicked me out exactly. yet. Exactly. You know, that's always the first uh, first goal for any small business. Um, Frisco has become home and you said you came down from Illinois. Mm-hmm. How long have you? How long have you been in Texas? Uh, I, I, you know, I've. What's the saying? Like, I wasn't born a Texan, but I got here as quickly as I could. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been in Texas for since 2014, so five years. So, three years in Dallas proper, one year in Austin, and then, and then a year and a half here in in Frisco. And you know, the I guess a question that you didn't ask, but I'll answer it anyways. You know, why Frisco, Texas? That was my next question. Actually, oh, so thank there you, you go. Make so, my job too easy. Yeah, yeah go ahead, just sit back <laughs> and sip your coffee there, Scott. I got this. Um, so, um, you know, why Frisco? Well, I'm. I'm from a town called Jerseyville, Illinois, which I guarantee, go ahead and map it. You're not going to know where it's at. It's it's essentially in the middle of a cornfield in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, close-ish to St. Louis. And so it's, as you could imagine, a small town. So, you know, there's everyone knows everyone's business and, you know, kind of everyone is involved in the PTA and things like that or the Lions Club or whatever. And so whenever I, I did, you know, med school in St. Louis, the big city, and then went to U of I, University of Illinois. And then when I came to, to Dallas, I loved Texas, but I didn't really think I wanted to be in, you know, the big city of Dallas. It was just a bit too much going on. And I kind of wanted that small town community feel that I had growing up back in Jerseyville. And so whenever I was looking at where to start at the practice, I wanted, obviously you need to, you can't start a plastic surgery practice in a town of about 5,000 like I grew up in. You need a, a bigger city. And so Frisco kind of seemed to meet the urban cosmopolitan feel of Dallas, but also the small town feel of Jerseyville. And so that's why Frisco seemed to be a perfect fit for me. Very good. Yeah. Frisco is, has done a good job of still feeling like a small town in a lot of ways, uh, despite the obviously immense and, and 
significant growth that we're experiencing, you know, month in and month out. But uh, I can actually kind of relate to your story a little bit here. So I'm also a Midwestern boy. Uh, I did most of my growing up in Indiana. Um, I was born in Michigan, but I also lived in a very small town in Illinois that was basically in the middle of a cornfield. Mm, mm-hmm. A little further north, it was a little town called Deer Creek, mm. uh, kind of halfway between, I want to say, Peoria and I think it was Pekin or Bloomington. I forget which one, but... Oh, that's so funny. I was in Peoria. That's where I did general surgery and and, and uh, med school. That was Peoria, actually. Yeah, but this was a town of about... 600 people. It was really small. And I was there for just a few of my elementary school years. And then we moved back to uh, Indianapolis, which was uh, a a great thing. I was glad we did that. And then uh, like you, I went to college and then found my way down to Texas. So similar paths. Well, there you go. Yeah, very good. So uh, you, I know that you're involved with uh, some different things around town. I see you in many of the same events and places that we go to. So let's talk a little bit about what other things you're into besides, besides just working on people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, so, I mean, when I first moved down here, I didn't, well, I first, I should say moved up here since I was in Dallas. When I first moved up here to Frisco, not knowing really anyone and trying to start a business, I, I felt the best way to kind of do it was just to basically throw myself into the community and and essentially, you know, no offense, Jeff Cheney, but I felt like I was running for mayor. And so, um, which I, I'm not, despite the rumors. Um, and so I felt like I was running for mayor. So I had to, I wanted to get out and plus I wanted to be in, involved in the community. So I, I eventually, I just threw myself into to every kind of group that I could find my get my hands on, and so I the the first group I actually well, the first group I went to was the Qua- Frisco Kiwanis, which I'm not really affiliated with any longer. But um, I, I I joined the Frisco Chamber of Commerce almost immediately, so I I'm, I'm a member of that. I um, as such I I also help. Uh, run a, a thing called Get to Know Frisco and Get to Know Prosper that was started by Miss Melanie Nance, who everyone knows is Miss Frisco around here. Um, we, I'm very, uh, very involved with the Frisco uh, Arts Society. I've, um, I've, I knew I placed in their 5K last year and then this year I was, uh, unfortunately the, the race got a little out of hand, so I didn't quite finish place this year. Um, those are a couple of the big ones. Hmm. Okay. So you're, are, you're, oh, I, yeah, I also, right? I also, you know, I, I go to, I feel like every night we're going to a different gala or a different event. So I've, you you know, I've I'm, I've good friends with the Frisco Fast Packs. I I help out with that. The uh, National Breast Cancer Foundation is a is a group near and dear to my heart. Since you know we take care of a lot of uh, breast cancer survivors and plastic surgery. Um, actively involved with um, uh, the Melody of Hope, which is another uh, group headlined by one of my friends. There, we often go to the Camp Craig Allen cookout every year. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think I'll, I'm sure I missed a few there. But pretty much, if you if you if you have a group in Frisco and you haven't seen me there, then you must not be advertising well enough. Anyway, so. It's just a matter of time until you get out to. All I'll, of I'll be there eventually. I'm making my rounds. You, if you want to keep your practice going, you don't want to run for mayor anyway. So I'm sure oh. Jeff takes no offense. That's but, that's a full time job on top of a full time job. So I thought I was just showing up for meetings and ribbon cutting. <laughs> so there, there's more to it than that. I'll let you talk to Jeff about that, but I think it's a little bit more involved than just that. But yeah, he's done a good job. So speaking of, you, you mentioned a, a number of nonprofits around town, some of which you're involved with. Um, is there a a side of your business that do you do any like nonprofit work, or is there a, a charitable side to Lone Star? Or? Or we're not at that point yet because I mean you, you just really are still. Uh, no, I mean I mean we we we've just entered year. I mean I guess we're officially in year two now, so not necessarily. I mean we do sponsor uh, we, do, we do sponsorship packages for a couple of them. I mean a, for example the uh, the kids who shouldn't have cancer foundation yeah. have have their annual gala here in Frisco and we sponsor we were a spo- uh, gold sponsor at that. Um, and then we did do spon- a sponsorship of the Newman Village Lemonade Stand as part of that as well. And then the Melody of Hope we've always been sponsors at, so we we sponsor a table at that. So. We do sponsor tables, but we haven't necessarily kind of broached into the topic the, that. I mean, we actually, interestingly enough, we did do a um, Melody Pope at a toy drive for the Boys and Girls uh, Club of, of Collin County. And we actually uh, got the most toys of all the boxes they dropped off this year. 
which um, may or may not have had anything to do with the fact that if you brought a toy in, you got 10 units of Botox. Ah. So, yes. Good thinking. There okay. Go. I like that. But So you guys probably had uh, oh, quite, yeah. quite a contribution going there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's amazing if you link toys to... To Botox, people will suddenly come out of the woodwork and bring you a toy <laughs> from Walgreens. So there you go. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, those are those are all notable uh, charities, and, and we kind of did this something similar in that it took us at Lifestyle Fresco several years to figure out. We wanted to do something that was sort of a how are we going to get involved in the nonprofit side of what's happening in Frisco. And I mean, we started in 2013, and it wasn't until last year that we did our first Give for Frisco Day, which is coming up again. I'm sorry, I'm going to plug it on your podcast, but February 14th, pay attention. Um, it, so it took us a long time to figure out what made sense for us to do mm-hmm. as a business. Um, but it sounds like you're you're getting involved in a number of things, and I'm, I'm sure those nonprofits appreciate those sponsorships immensely because, you know, that is what helps a lot of them kind of keep going is, is those galas and raising funds in that way, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I figure. I mean, I, obviously, I'm. I, if you, you know, when you when your uh, listeners do click onto the link here, they'll see that we're pretty active in social media. So we're. Uh, the, I always feel like, if nothing else, if I can't give my my funds to these nonprofits, we're pretty active in plugging all of them on our social media. So so we're. You know, that's kind of how our relationships grew with a couple of those already, is because we're. I'm always plugging them on social media, so they they at least get some airplay for for free out of me. So yeah, and that's every every little bit of that is helpful to to all of them, and we do the same thing, and they are all very appreciative. So. Let's go back to the practice side of things. Though. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, what you've got going at Lone Star. Um, for those, and I want to talk for a moment to those that might be considering some kind of a, a procedure but haven't uh, made the jump yet. What are some of the most common questions you get, number one? And number two, what are the questions that you wish people would ask or research before they come in that they often don't? Well, that's actually that's, well, that's a really good question, Scott. So, I mean... I always feel like it's funny because my my M.A. Brooke, I'm pretty sure, could repeat everything that I always say because she always says you get the same questions over and over. And it's almost like I could, someone just could pull a cord on me. And in reality, <laughs> that that was the original intention of our, our YouTube channel was to answer those questions. But obviously, the practice keeps me a bit busy, so we haven't gotten as good there. But I mean, it's all, it's always kind of the "Am I the appropriate candidate?" questions. And 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 for the most part, in, in plastic surgery, you know, really, there's not really an age criterion for most of our procedures. It's almost, are you a healthy person, and um, will do you have reasonable expectations for the results? Because obviously if, if I walked in to a, a friend of mine who's a cosmetic surgeon and showed him a picture of Brad Pitt and said, this is what I want to look like, he would look at me and say, you're completely delusional. You're never going to look uh, that ugly. And I'd say, I, th- I appreciate that. <laughs> but, you know, so it's kind of a little bit of that. And then, you know, what questions do people, I wish they would ask is what we have already talked about. You know, you know, essentially, you know, there is a difference between a plastic surgeon and a cosmetic surgeon. And you need to make sure that the person that you're meeting with is qualified to do the procedure. So that would be one. And then, you know, number two, it's, I, I feel like really is, a, you know, a mentor of mine told me at one point in time, you know, whenever your knife touches someone's skin, you're married to them for the rest of their life until they either are no longer alive or they fire you. So in essence, anytime I'm thinking about operating on someone, I need to say to myself, is this someone that I want to be married to for the rest of my life? And so you'll see, if a patient comes in for a consult, they'll see that really they'll walk in, we'll sit in my office and we'll chat. And the first probably 15, 20 minutes of their consultation is just us chatting and getting to know each other. And in essence, they may feel like I'm trying to make them feel at ease, which I am. But another the, the portion of that is I want them to decide, is this the person that I want to be married to and vice versa? It's almost like speed dating. So we're speed dating there for the first portion of the, of the uh, consult. And then we actually get down to the meat and potatoes of here's what the procedure is like. You know, here's where we think we can get you. Do you is this, are we a good fit? And so I think that 
that, that's a large portion of it. Because I mean, when it comes to medicine and, and surgery, you know, not you know, there, you know, there are complications no matter how great of a patient you are and how great of a surgeon you are. And really, you want someone that you can be that will be there with you through the you know, if something bad happens, you want someone there. You want to know that that person there across the table from you is the person that can can get can steer the ship out of disaster. Yeah. And so that's kind of what if I were a patient, I'd be looking for is is this a person that can get me out of harm's way if if they need to. Makes sense. And it, it seems to me that you're making a, a very wise decision that I wish more business owners would make. And that is, it's not just um, you're bringing me business. Yes, come on in. Let's let's do what we do. But you need to make sure that that patient is a good fit for you as well. Um, I know I, I've had from past businesses, I've had clients and customers that I wish I had never taken on. And, and they just, it wasn't a good match for us or for what we were doing at that time. Um, so it's, it's certainly important for you, as, you know, to maintain your own sanity and happiness to make sure that your patients are people that you can work with that are going to follow your instructions. I would imagine that can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes, especially post-op. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, you know, and I, one thing that I, another mentor always told me, he said that essentially when you first got into practice, he's like, you need to pretend that your plate is full and that you don't necessarily need to take on everything that walks in the door because otherwise you're going to build things up that you're not going to want. And then next thing you know, that's going to monopolize your time. and You're not going to be able to build what you want. And so, you know, I, I always joke with the staff. I mean, I'm probably never going to be the richest plastic surgeon or the most successful or more than nor, nor the busiest, but my goal is to be the happiest. And so, I mean... In reality, that's kind of the goal of the practice. That's a good goal. I mean, medicine is under so much pressure right now from so many different angles. I mean, between the changes in legislation and insurance companies and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if that if that impacts you as much as it might some other specialties. And you tell me, but um, it just seems like doctors are really under uh, under the gun in a lot of different ways. And, and happiness. Uh, I have friends and actually a business partner that's a physician as well. He's a ear, nose, and throat doctor, um, and he's done a very good job of keeping his sanity and building his practice the way he wanted. Uh, but there was a tipping point where he could have very easily gone down this path where uh, a, a lot of his you know cohorts have gone where they're they're just not happy. They're miserable. They're burned out. And they're not practicing medicine the way that they wanted to practice it. And so some of them are even just stepping away from it. Does the, Do those outside pressures affect you in the same way or, or with what you do? Does it tend to be more, a little bit insulated from that, I guess? Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, you know, I, I uh, in as a plastic surgeon, I not only do I do cosmetic surgery, I do reconstructive surgery as well. So, I mean, I do you know, I do fight the same fight that, that that other practitioners do of, you know, insurance, is this procedure covered? How much is it going to reimburse? All those kinds of things. So I'm not completely insulated. I do have to, you know, kind of fight those fights as well. So, I mean, I do, you know, you'll, you know, you'll do some procedures and you'll say to yourself, I, I can't believe that that's what Medicare is, is going to give us back considering the amount of energy that was invested there. Or the, I mean, you know, the, one thing is, you know, like there's, there are certain things that patients will come in for that gets denied by insurance, and you say to yourself, I understand why this procedure got denied. Obviously, this person is suffering. Why is your insurance company not going to pay for this? So, I mean, it is it is a, a frustrating thing because there are patients suffering that I can't help out because of the insurance companies. So, yeah, there is that pressure. And that's why, I mean, I joked about earlier about how, you know, everyone and their dog wants to do cosmetics because it's lucrative. But there's a reason a lot of plastic surgeons that are in practice for a decade aren't doing reconstructive stuff anymore. And that's, it's not because they're greedy. It's because of the frustrations of the insurance companies. And so that's why they will just start doing cosmetic surgery because they don't want to deal with, you know, fighting, you know, you know, Medicare to get this procedure covered or reimbursed or whatever, or chasing the insurance company. I mean, I, I have procedures that I did a year ago that I haven't seen, the insurance companies haven't wow. paid me for. I mean, that's, and that's, and you know, you can't imagine, in, in no other business 
would someone not get collect an invoice after a year? But in medicine, that's not an uncommon thing. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I want to touch back briefly on something you said earlier, and that was on age. Is there is there an age appropriate level at which people can come to you? I mean, if somebody came to you with their 16 year old that wanted something done, is that too young? Is that not appropriate or it depends. I mean, it depends on the procedure. I mean, you know, that's that's a common that's a common tested thing on pa- plastic surgery ethic, ethical boards types questions is, you know, patient presents with 16-year-old daughter wanting a breast reduction. That's the, probably the more common one. Okay. And, you know, a, a, if they have reached kind of, you know, essentially maturity, meaning they've kind of they've reached that point in time, you could do like a breast reduction. That wouldn't be a problem. You know, breast augmentation, according to, you know, the the uh, American Society of Plastic Surgery guidelines, you know, you're supposed to typically wait till patients are at least 18 or 19 to do saline implants, and you can't even place silicone implants until a patient's 22. Actually, that's not ASPS. That's the, the uh, FDA says silicone implants can't be placed until a patient's 22 years old. And so they do try and place uh, guidelines on that. Now, obviously, there will be people out in the world that will be kind of bending those rules. Um, you know, the other common one for the younger patient is, you know, rhinoplasty. A patient comes right. in with their, you know, their uh, high school age daughter and, you know, she's been tormented because of, you know, you know, she either has a hump on her nose or her nose is, you know, crooked or she was in a car wreck, et cetera. And, you know, would you do a rhinoplasty on a 16 year old? And again, th- that's more of a, if the patient's mature enough to understand it and they've reached skeletal maturity, doing a rhinoplasty is not that big of a deal, you know? Yeah. Do your patients in particular, do you find they've done a decent amount of research to understand what their teenagers not aside. I mean, just patients in general. Are people good about kind of learning before they come to you, or is there still a lot of education involved once they get there? I almost welcome the lack of education at times because you know there's a, the internet is just full of lots of um, <laughs> you know as they say fake news. No, come on. Okay, well, okay, fine. It's all real. Yeah, no, it's all totally real. And <laughs> and you know, Betty on Facebook is. I saw some like thing that the other day that said like you know reliable source in the 80s and it was like a scientist. Reliable source in the 90s and it was a news person. And then in the 2000s, it was like someone like, you know, a podcast person. And then in the 2010s, it's like Betty on Facebook is the most reliable Facebook person, <laughs> our most reliable source. So that it's almost I welcome the person that comes in that doesn't really know as much because then – because I love to do patient education. I mean, my consults are at least an hour long, and a lot of that's me rambling like I am right now. <laughs> and when I educate you – I mean, the first thing I'll say is here are the bad things that can happen with your procedure, and we go through them. And so the patients that, that don't necessarily know anything are kind of the best ones because – that way, you know, what I'm telling them is, you know, they're not, they're not full of misinformation. But I mean, obviously, you know, are patients more educated now than they were probably 20 years ago? I suspect, yeah. I mean, the internet's rampant. I mean, there's shows like Botched. People can watch that right now and, and learn. I mean, I, I, my girlfriend jokes all the time that she watches Botched and so she could do my job, you know. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure, shout out Melanie Nance. I'm pretty sure that people think that they can, you know, they've got enough news from that. So yeah, I, I think people are probably more educated than they were 20 years ago. But there's still the patient that walks in that, you know, has no idea. And that's okay. That's yeah. why they come see me. Absolutely. So take that to take that to heart, folks. You don't have to go out and become an expert. If you learn a little, that's good, but don't get carried away. There is a lot of fake stuff on the internet. There's a lot of rabbit holes that you can go down. And yeah. Next thing you know, it's and some of them are some of them are really scary and 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 outlier types of situations. So just yeah, don't get carried away with the internet research. So all right, well, Doctor Hill, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been fun to chat with you. Is is there anything else? I feel like we could probably talk about this subject for hours. Is there anything else in particular about you, about Lone Star Plastic Surgery, about what you do that you would like the Frisco audience to know? I think, you know, I think that, you know, 
what makes I think the question we should ask is why Lone Star over you know the plastic surgeon up the street for me, right? What makes us unique? What makes us uh, what what makes our brand of plastic surgery different than their brand of plastic surgery? Because essentially, it's the same operation. It's not like you know I've got some magic wand. Actually, I do have a magic wand that's still in the box. But I mean, it's not like I have a magic wand that Doctor up the street doesn't have. You know what? Like I said, you need to find someone that. His personality matches with yours. But what we bring is, you know, our our brand of... When I, when I started the practice, I said, I want our um, office to be like a, like a family, like a small town. And so when I said earlier, like, you know, we've been building the Lone Star family for the past year and a half. That's why I say that. I view everyone in the office as a family member. I view all the patients that come in as family members. So when you come into our office, you're not a cookie cutter. You know, oh, she's coming in for a breast dog. We're going to put this size of implants in and then we're done. Or, oh, I'm going to do a nose and it's going to look just like the last nose I did because all the noses look the same. No, we do a cookie cutter approach. Or, no, I'm sorry, we do an individualized approach to each patient. So when you come into us, that's our brand is individualized care for you. And so I want y'all to, you all to, you'll feel that way hopefully when you come into the office. And if you don't, please tell me that way we can change things up because that's my goal. And so. Um, that's what makes Lone Star different. And that's, I think, all that I got. Love the personal touch. So if you're uh, thinking about any kind of a cosmetic or plastic procedure uh, or need something along those lines, please reach out to Dr. Sean Hill at Lone Star Plastic Surgery. We're going to link up all of the places you can find him on the internet uh, in the show notes here. And we'll definitely give a shout out to Nance, Melanie Nance as well. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Scott, as always, thank you. And thanks to all of you for tuning into the Frisco Podcast. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any place you listen to podcasts. So please go out, subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and we'll talk to you next time.